Welcome to Beyond the Shire. My name is Jack Wolf. For today's adventure, I want to continue to share now some specific ideas on being equipped for the story that we're in and to help us all and to see the Lord use each and every one of us in a unique way between the two Edens. So today we'll talk about the language of living between the two Edens. The first idea that I want to begin to speak about on living between these two Edens that we've been talking about for the last several weeks is our speech. Now, if you've had children, you understand how awesome speech is. When your first child or second child or however many children you have, when they are born, they are, they are such precious, beautiful creations that God has given us, right? And it's a beautiful time when they're born, when they're birthed, and their, you know, their eyes are opening and all of those things. And we all have a little baby book about all the things they're going to do and what they're going to be able to manage. And, and we all get those books and see how they're doing. And they really don't have a lot to contribute when we think about what they're giving back. They give it back a lot of love and a lot of joy and just a lot of fulfillment. But when we really think about when we're kind of feeding them and loving them and looking at them in their little bassinet or their little swings, and we're watching them discover their fingers and their toes and all those really great things. It's so exciting to see, man, what's new for the next day. But how awesome is it that very first time they say, Daddy, or mommy, or anything close that resembles that. We are so excited when they begin to speak. They are so cute. And, you know, the parent that was at work the very first time that they said their first word, there's almost this jealousy that happens between a couple, you know, like, I don't, I don't want to miss those very first words. And it is so exciting. And I'm not sure really when it happens, but there can be a transition later on from how cute it is they're talking to, wow, please go to your room. You're, you're asking me so many questions. Why, Daddy? Why, Mommy? And it goes on and on from there. You know, from we can't wait to hear them talk to sometimes we wish they would take a break. So speech is an amazing thing. Growing up, my dad had a few things that he spoke to me about my speech. And I remember him telling me this. He did ask me why I had so much to talk about all the time. And I was even a teenager. Says, why do you have to continue to talk, talk, talk? So it wasn't just when I was a little elementary kid, but I, I love to speak. And then I remember chatting away at the dinner table and he would say this. He says, why don't you engage your brain before you start talking? It was not the most complimentary thing that he would say to me. But he was trying to tell me, you know, I mean, I don't know what he's trying to tell me. Like, hey, you know, what you're making is not making any sense. And, you know, the fact of the matter is that I'm a, I'm a verbal processor, and that's how I, I have to kind of articulate things. And when I tell people I'm a verbal processor, I, I use this example that sometimes I don't know how I feel about what I'm getting ready to say next. And I'll say, oh, yeah, I don't like that. Let me take it back. Now, people who know me, they would say that I've never told a short story. Because when I get going, I can, it can really be something. And I love telling a good story. And if you're with me sometimes and I ever say this, like, hey, let me tell you a quick story. You just might want to make sure you don't have to go to the restroom and hopefully you're sitting down or at least can stand there for a minute because telling a quick story is relative. I'm trying to grow up in this area and be more aware of my surroundings, be more aware of how long I'm talking. And I still have some room to go, but I'm, I'm getting better. And you would have thought long before I hit my 60s, I'd be, you know, a little bit more on top of it. But I love telling a good story, and sometimes I like the story I'm telling to entertain myself as much as anybody who's actually hearing it. So talking is really important, and sometimes it can be over the top. 
Now, let me transition that. So, you know, the idea of talking is saying a lot of things. If you were a Christian, let me give you some practical thoughts about how we're living in this story and how the Lord left nothing out of this great book that we have between two Edens on every detail in life. So how we interact with others, both people that we love and who love him and who are other followers of Christ, people who may not want anything to do with the Lord of the church at all, how we interact with all of humanity. Now, a lot of times, you know, uh, you, you become a brand new Christian. You'll see this brand new Christian. They get so excited about learning the Bible and, the, and this idea of really being engaged in the world. And they get really excited about their ability to quote the Bible and uh, remembering these Bible stories and these passages. And a lot of times you'll hear people say, well, the Bible says, well, the Bible says, and Christians can be great at quoting the Bible. And I'm putting that in quotes in my own little head here. But if you're talking to someone who does not believe or may not really uh, understand the Bible at all or have no context for that, then what you're saying, the verse you're quoting, they don't have any understanding or context about what you're actually saying. Now, I think it's amazing, and I've, done, I've said this many times when I've been out preaching, that Jesus hardly ever quoted the Bible. Uh, let me say that again and let it kind of land in your heart and head here. But Jesus hardly ever quoted the Bible. I mean, he told a lot of stories, but he hardly ever quoted the Bible to those folks that, that uh, the everyday people that he was hanging around with. Go back and read the stories. Where did he quote the Bible? Well, when he did quote the Bible, and it was very seldom, the only people he ever quoted the Bible with really were the religious leaders of the day. Why is that important? Because the religious leaders of the day, they would have understood the Old Testament. They would have known those stories. And so he could quote from those stories and make a, make a point out of those stories. But they had an understanding of the context of the story in which he was referring to. So a lot of times when we quote the Bible to someone who's never actually read the Bible or doesn't have any understanding of the story, they, you know, it's, it's a verse that just has no context for them, no understanding. So we have to be careful about how we share these things. And I'll get more into this a little bit later. I was coming home the other day. I come up uh, uh, off the interstate, come up the, my, get off my ramp there and get ready to make a left. And there was a person on the other side of the road that had a grocery cart with a sign on it with the word repent. That was it. Repent. Well, that's a, that's a word that's used in the Bible a lot. Christians use it a lot. But um, I wonder how many people are thinking, oh, yeah, that's right, I, I need to repent. And what does that even mean? How effective was it really? And yes, I know God can use anything. I get that. But more than likely, it was only going to connect with maybe a certain religious group of people or people who went to church or people who understood that word. It means to change, to turn around, to go the other direction, actually. It's not really a harsh word. Uh, it's not really a mean word. It's not a word that we, we point our finger at people and go, hey, you need to repent. Um, it's more of an, an kind of encouraging people to, have you considered the direction you're going? <laughs> Maybe you want to go the other direction uh, type of thing. It's like being lost. Um, when someone gives me directions and I'm lost and I'm, uh, I'm on the wrong road, uh, they could say, you know, you, you need to turn around and go the other direction. I would be kind of repenting, uh, if you will. So the words that we say have impact, and the meaning can change based on the nature and the, and the person that you're talking with. So, you know, we're used to hearing someone proclaim the word, you know, like preaching, they say it's proclaiming the word, but it's not just the words we choose, but it's also the spirit that empowers those words. 
Now, let me read this to you uh, right out of the Bible. I'm going to read it slowly. And it's talking about, it's talking about the tongue. It says, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we teach, who we teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. He says, now he's got to give us some examples, some ideas. Isn't this great that God does this? He gives us some ordinary things to help us understand. It says, when we put the bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue. See how he does that little change right there? He's talking about a, the bits in the mouth uh, of a horse. He's talking about the rudder on a ship. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Do you realize that most forest fires are caused not by an act of God, but by the carelessness of human beings that just don't really care and leave something burning? Yeah. You know, so the tongue is also is a fire a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body. It sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. Wow, that's pretty strong. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But check this out here. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursings. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can salt spring produce fresh water. He's making this large point here, using all these metaphors about the power and the ability to, to take care of our tongue and to make sure that, um, that we're making it submit to the Lord, that we're saying, Lord, help control my speech. Help me understand. Help me to have pause. Help me to understand that this is a very dangerous thing. It has a tremendous amount of power. I mean, I, you don't have to be, uh, uh, real educated or and I don't mean to say that in a bad way but just everybody can understand that the world is on fire the world is on fire watch the news look at social media you know the the what people say and do it's just one thing after another it's just it's it's really scary what's going on and and if you think about it the anger and the frustration and the Things that are going on in the world, a lot of it, most of it, is fueled by the things that people say and then how people react to what others say. 
What is our role in this? How do we understand this? If this is the very first thing that we kind of get to do as a human being, understanding our speech is and how we what we say and why we say it is certainly important. You can go back and read this, but in Psalm 141, 3 and 4, it says to set a guard over my mouth. Lord, keep watch over the door of my lips. Don't let my heart be drawn to what is evil, that I take part in wicked deeds along with those evildoers. Don't let me eat of their delicacies. And it's still kind of talking about our speech there. So the encouragement is, Lord, set a guard over my mouth. Help me watch what I say. Lord, watch the door of my lips, because God knows how powerful it actually is, the things that we say and the way that we say them. So yeah, freedom of speech is great. It's also terrible. Yes, you have the freedom to say whatever you want to say. And and yeah, and I'll add to this, not just what you say, but what you post or what you repost, or how you engage in every form of communication now, because now speech is now more typed out than it is actually spoken, and the things that we say and communicate. And I, and I know that there are many who say, that say and do and post great things, but I'm going to add this caution. We need to understand that the reader of the things that we say, I'm putting that in quotes, or the reader of the things that we write, is not, they're not able to discern the spirit in which it was written. And they can completely misinterpret it. They cannot fill your heart all the time. Sometimes they can, yes. But other times we can easily feel what the poster is feeling. Yeah, it fires us up. We want to get back. We want to respond. So how do we govern? How do we stand? How do we, how do we discern? We've got to ask ourselves this question as we be, whether we're going to type whether we're going to speak, whether we're going to write, whether we're going to email, discern this question. What spirit am I communicating in? What spirit is fueling me, inspiring me about what I'm about to speak? According to Jesus, there's only really two choices. It's either the Lord's spirit or the devil. You could say the flesh, but that's essentially the same thing. That's the devil. During the, one of the most difficult times for the Lord when he's being questioned right after being arrested, all those accusing him were telling the leaders, they, they, they were saying, they were telling the leaders, they said, well, he said this and he said that and he said this and he said that. And then finally the high priest said, well, Jesus, are you going to answer these questions? Are you going to speak up to these accusations? And the Bible says, and Jesus remained silent. Silence is golden. Silence is golden. Listen, I'm about running out of time for this week's podcast, so I'll, how about I'll stop speaking now. I want you to think about this. Go back and listen to this over again. I want you to think God's given you the ability to speak, and, and we'll talk more about this in the weeks to come, about how to discern, how to understand, how to be informed, Um, how to be led of the Spirit when it comes to our communication. Listen, it will make all the difference in the world. Keep at it. Read your word. uh, Listen to the Lord. um, You know, 
try to self-edit sometimes because your speech has the power to set people free or it can also set something on fire. And I know we don't do it intentionally, but it can happen very quickly without us knowing it. Listen, we'll see you next time. Have a great week.